Hi, welcome to Practically Excited, episode 178. My name is Armin. Joining me as always, my colleague from Pencil10Puppets.com. It's acting the Fooleman. Hi, everybody. How are you doing, Fooleman? I'm hanging in. Yourself? I'm doing all right, too. Um, so we are here, slightly belatedly, um, to recap game two of the Leafs' first round series against the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Leafs fell in this one by a score of 5-3. to three. Um, So the series is now tied 1-1 as we shift to Tampa, game three being played on Friday, I believe. So this game, I mean, there's there's no moral (laughs) wins in the playoffs. You know, if you lose, you lose. So this sucks. You know, a 2-0 lead would have been commanding. Um, A 1-1 lead is, or 1-1 tie, obviously, not a lead at all, is obviously much less so. Now Tampa has um, essentially home ice advantage as they can have a, a max of three games played in Tampa, and the Leafs can have a max of two games played in Toronto. But abstracting from this game, I guess there's a couple major takeaways that, that we can have. And I think the first that you wanted to touch on was the importance of special teams. Yeah. I mean, this series, I think, in general, has been governed by special teams. Game one, the story was the Leafs' penalty kill, which was utterly dominant. Game two, it was just the opposite. The story was the Tampa Bay power play, which was shredding Toronto to the tune of three goals. Um, Nikita Kucherov is an absolute monster. The Leafs weren't as successful at stopping the Bolts from getting set up. Obviously, a penalty kill is much more effective if it never really has to do the D-zone work of killing penalties, if you just stop the enemy at the gate. Um, The Leafs didn't do that nearly as successfully, and of course, you can never do it with 100% success. We actually said in our first um, post-game pod, look, Tampa Bay is going to come back and adjust to this, and they are going to be more successful, because there's too much talent not to be. And I think that's exactly what we saw. Um, There was a lot of ranting on Leaf Twitter about the refereeing in this game. A lot of people felt that the Leafs got the short end of the stick. They did get called for more penalties than Tampa. And... uh, I know I'm talking a bit here, but I have a bit of a rant on that. Do you have any thoughts before I start rambling? Um, not in particular, aside from the fact that I think, to a large extent, people are never going to be happy. Like, I, There's the huge contingent of people who I think rightfully criticize the NHL for having like makeup calls. Mm-hmm. And the idea of, okay, you know, Team X gets penalized, so their opponent should get penalized soon as well. Um, but it's sort of inconsistent to complain about that and then also complain about games where one team has significantly more power plays than the other. Yeah, I mean, the crux Assuming, of the complaints like, is, yeah. you know, Tampa is supposedly as dirty or dirtier than Toronto, um, but Tampa wound up with more power plays out of the bargain. I get that. Look, I think if this game had been called by the Archangel Gabriel and everything had been done with fairness and justice... The Leafs might have had one fewer penalty, four, one more power play, uh, something like that. So, like, it wasn't perfect. You aren't going to get perfection, and if you hold your breath for it, you are going to suffocate. Um, I get people complain in the heat of the moment about refereeing. I still think Leaf fans have gotten really carried away with it in the past few years. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's in response to the Boston series where... At times, it really did seem to go to jungle rules, but it's become like a mania, and I mean, it seems miserable to me. I get it. People need to express their frustration. There are missed calls. It's upsetting, but like, 
it seems to dominate a lot of the discourse in any game the Leafs don't win now. And I think that's miserable. From a practical perspective of what the Leafs do, guess what? You're playing the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Tampa Bay Lightning are the most penalized team in hockey over the past three seasons. They also drew the second most power plays. This is their thing. They get into games that are high penalty, they rely on good special teams, and they're very effective. And I know Tampa is physical. I know Tampa knows how to be provocative. They like to get into scrums after the whistle. All of that is strategy. And you can dislike it, but I can't help thinking now it's time to start thinking of how you're going to respond. And it is incumbent on the Leafs to figure out where the line is and know when to walk away. Right now is not the time to have moral crusades about the state of how the NHL should be. Yeah. Right now is the time to take it as it is. And that's all you can do. And complaining that Corey Perry is a big meanie and should get penalized on principle. I agree. Corey Perry is a big meanie. He's he's a big old fart face. (laughs) You know, he sucks. I hate him. Yeah. But, like, this this is the hand we are dealt Right? Tampa is going to agitate. They're very good at this. Yeah. And, you know, with due respect, this is something that we said before the series. This is something that we said in the spring. This is and something if we, that we knew said. it, the Leafs obviously know it, too. Yeah. And They're the Leafs dumb. made a big deal talking about, oh, this is going to be a physical, borderline violent series, was Sheldon Keefe's public quote. And I think what happened was... The Leafs came into this with a mentality of, we aren't going to let anyone push us around. And they did it in the first game. They threw a lot of hits, including that one by Kyle Clifford that got him suspended. But the penalty kill was clicking, was stopping the opponent at the blue line. And so it looked like a perfectly good strategy in a game that they clobbered Tampa. We said, not to give ourselves too much credit here, because this was pretty obvious, but we said after that game, look, you can't keep taking this many penalties against the Tampa Bay Lightning and expect it not to hurt you. You might get away with it for a while, but your number will come up. It came up three times last game, and that was the difference. Because the truth is, the Leafs didn't play badly 5-on-5 at all. You could argue they were the better team for the first and for most of the third. Mm -hmm. It was... Low event, 5-on-5, as Mm -hmm. it's been throughout the series. I mean, I guess through the first two games, because so much of it has been special teams-based, right? Like, the first game, about half the game was 5-on-5, and game two, about two-thirds of the game is on 5-on-5. These are low percentages. So it's, like, a bit harder to read into what's happening there. But, yeah, I, I agree. On the whole, the Leafs have been looking at the two games on aggregate, probably the slightly better team at 5-on-5. Yeah. And I will say, there's been some narrativizing after this that the first game was basically treated as a fluke, and the second game was the real Tampa Bay Lightning showing up to to dismantle the Leafs. And now the righteous order of the universe has reasserted itself, and the Tampa Bay Lightning, who we all know are so much better than Toronto, have proven it. Uh, I don't think that that's what's happened at all. The Leafs are not outclassed in this series, and I don't think anyone who watched that the first two games with an unbiased eye would say so like Mm -hmm. this could go either way the Leafs are are in a bit tough as we've said they've lost home ice advantage but it is all wide open and I think if you're the Leafs you say take fewer penalties and we're right in this that's the big thing there's I guess a line between being between sticking up for yourself and shooting yourself in the foot um the bunting penalty yesterday I know Kerfoot scored shorthanded I think on that penalty 
But that was just a dumbass penalty. You can't do that. Yeah, and like the truth is, if you're physical, if you're in one of these series, it feels good to hit the other guy because he's mm-hmm. pissing you off. And that's the point. None of this is accidental. That's the thing I keep coming back to. People are blaming the refs or they're saying, you know, this is so unfair and everything like that. And my takeaway keeps being Tampa has done this to plenty of teams over the long run. It's not a bug. It's a feature. And you need to be prepared for that feature. I think the Leafs came in with an answer in mind and they've got to start changing up their answer, which is we got to dial it back enough that we are not in a massive special teams hole because they do bear some control over that, even if you think the refs could have said to give them a, the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And the least power play hasn't been particularly uh, successful over the first two games. They had that one five-on-three goal uh, in game one. They've looked fine to me. It's just, you know, it, it's, hard, it's hard to really pinpoint, you know, are, in, are you doing things fine and pucks aren't going in and, you know, Andre Vasilevsky is just a really good goaltender? Or are there adjustments that you can make that, you know, would also help? And the answer is it's probably both, right? But I don't see anything structurally very obviously broken about our power play, at least in terms of low-hanging fruit. But it does need to be more successful because if, you know, going forward, a third to 40% of these games are going to be played on the power play, or roughly half that time is going to be with the Leafs on the power play. Those are huge, huge, huge swing minutes. Yeah, unfortunately, you do not have time to aggress with them in the playoffs. And everybody knows the Leafs have had stretches where their stats looked good in the course of a playoff series and their goals didn't match up and they were out on their asses in a couple <laughs> of weeks. Um, I will say, at the worst, uh, against Montreal towards the end, the Leafs didn't look like they were generating very much at all proportionate to their skill. This power <laughs> play still looks fine to me. So I'll say keep putting it out and hoping for the best because I think they are getting chances. But of course, it's a nervy thing to be dealing with when you're thinking in three losses, we could be going home. For sure. Yeah. Um, on the same subject of like, like just tooting our own horn uh, <laughs> and stuff we, we've said, uh, we said this in the preview pod that got deleted. Um, Tampa has a huge advantage on the fourth line. Yeah. Like enormous. Um, and fourth lines don't matter that much, but in a series this tight, it can swing uh, a shift, it can swing a game, and sometimes that's all you need. Yeah, the, the Leafs' fourth line we know has been an issue throughout the year. I don't know really what we can do about it. I mean, I, you, can, you can sit Wayne Simmons, mm-hmm. right? You can bring up a black ace. You can do, although I would kind of interpret this somewhat desperately, you could throw in Nick Robertson. Yeah, but I mean, the question is, what do you want your fourth line to do, right? And the answer right. for the first two games is cause some mayhem. And mm-hmm. that sort of bit us in the ass when, you know, Wayne Simmons took two penalties that were costly in game two. Kyle Clifford took five minutes that weren't costly in game one. Do we want to keep doing that? Do we trust these players to sort of reorient where the line is and figure out how to dial it back? Uh, again, you can complain about how the refs called that game, but it was probably within the normal range of how NHL games are called. And either way, you have to figure out an answer. You know, all, all right. this stuff I, about pissing and moaning and how unfair Neither of the first two games have been robberies in terms of refing. 
Mm-hmm. They've, as you said, they've been within like a standard deviation of NHL average reffing. Yeah. I, I know. I, I'll try to stop hammering this. It's just I've mentioned it on Twitter and a lot of people got very mad at me. But mm. uh, again, I'm right in my analysis. I will stand against the tide on that one. Um, yeah. Um, on the positive side, mm-hmm. Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews have pretty obviously come to play. Yes. Mitch Marner has looked great to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's, he's been phenomenal. And Matthews, uh, I, again, like he, he, he is and should be the best player in the series. Mm-hmm. Right? I, his, I totally his, agree. Yeah, his dominance has to be kind of an ever-present. And so far, you know, I don't have any reason to doubt the idea of, like, we can put that line up against anyone that Tampa has, and I'm comfortable with it. Absolutely. I do right, think and, that you can and that's see. Important. Yeah, I think you can see Mitch Marner wants this, for lack of a better term. I know that that's kind of obvious. They all want it to a certain extent. But if Mitch Marner were going to come out looking like a guy who was tired of hearing what he didn't do in the playoffs last year, it would look like this. And I'm not just saying that because he has five points in two games, although it doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. But he really has been uh, kind of a three zone monster. Yeah, they've handily won their matchup against the Stamkos Kucherov line. They did less well against the third line of um, Ross Colton, Nick Paul, and Brandon Hagel. Mm. Uh, I I can't say I noticed anything they're doing structurally like terribly in those situations. I, I'm inclined to just say, eh, you know, stuff happens. Um, but you know, if you can bottle up Stamkos Kucherov and Palat at five on five, and stay out of the box, it's a tough ask. But that's helpful and. This the line is doing well, but and bunt, bunting having him back, he got a goal. I don't think his overall game was amazing, but the goal helps. Um, you know that line is is good, and and we need them to be. Less so have been Tavares Nylander specifically in game two. I mean Nylander had I think a strong game one, much less noticeable in game two. Tavares has been kind of anonymous throughout, um, which is sort of understandable when you look at his line mates, but also sort of like okay, well we need him to like. That's, a, that's an explanation, but it's not an excuse. Yeah, I mean, the basic issue is what can we get out of John Tavares at this point in his career? It's less than we once could have. It's still enough that he's a good player. but we right. do I mean, He, he was still impact. a point-per-game player who had a very positive RA, um, XG, RIPM impact, right? Like still a very positive play driver this year. Yeah, absolutely. And so... Certainly, like, the expectations are not nil. We're not writing him off and saying he can no longer contribute. But, yeah, like, the hope is that you can have him win his minutes and be an impact player because we can't generally count on our bottom six to put up margins. You know, Mm -hmm. they can square off. David Kampf can kill penalties. And, you know, he had a a kind of miraculous breakaway goal in game one. But by and large, those lines are kind of there to make nothing happen. Tavares is there to make something happen, and something has been failing to occur. Right, and that's yeah, like that. That's the challenge, and I mean, part of it. Keith has given the Matthews line a lot of offensive zone starts this series, um, and mm-hmm. those have come kind of at the expense of JT. But again, it's like there's there's just there's no excuse. We're we're well past the point of excuses. Excuses were for 2017. Mm-hmm. You know, we're five years down the road. Yeah. Um, I do, you know, in my nightmares, I think of a future where we lament that the best team around John Tavares did not coincide with the best version of John Tavares that we got. Mm-hmm. 
um, and that may be an unfortunate reality. But as it stands, you're just hoping to get a little bit more out of him. And I think, of course, the question is, at what point do you start giving him more minutes back with William Nylander? And, you know, mm -hmm. for me, I think that point is now. To be honest, like, I would do it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not really sure what else to say about it, but you need the two of them to kind of ignite each other. Um, they got less than two minutes together, five on five, um, in game two. Um, I, I just really think that you need a bit more dynamism on that line. I know that line has had some struggles, but at this point I'm saying we want to put them out, have an offensive impact, and it's not really happening. So, time to make changes. Yeah, I, I agree with that entirely. Um, you know, part of why we did all this, we, Keith, did all this experimentation uh, in the regular season is because, so he has some data points to work with. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, and so that there's chemistry built up so that players aren't shocked and wondering, like, where the hell is so-and-so going to be if I play with him? So I, I think, yeah, now is as good a time as any to, to switch things up. The, the Leafs' five-on-five -five offense was not terrible in game two, but it wasn't great either. And again, that has to be their calling card. Yeah. Right? They have to get to the front of the net. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it's not going to be easy because Tampa has, as we've said, multiple very good defensemen. Um, nasty defensemen, too. You know, Hedman does not play gently. Ryan McDonough doesn't take a ton of penalties, but he's not fun to play against, and we're going to have to fight through it. Like, this is going to be an ugly series. I think it already has been, and it's going to continue to be. Um, I do think that we're really seeing the Leafs wrestle with the problem of, okay, it's an ugly series. We came in primed for that. We said we're going to be just as tough as they are, if not tougher. And I think what Tampa is showing is that it's not enough to be tough. You have to be tough in a way that is effective. And that's a little more complicated, and sometimes that involves picking your spots. So, yeah. Um, I'll say there are some, some positives. I don't think Jack Campbell did a terrific job on the Victor Hedman goal to start things off, but for mm -hmm. a, a game where Tampa Bay did score five times, I, I thought he was fine. Um, I'm about as sanguine about his performance as I can be, considering I think Vasilevsky is still a better goaltender. Right. Um, yeah, again, it's, it's like, you know, Jack Campbell isn't going to magically become Patrick Waugh. No. Right? So I think he was around average he made some big saves too he stopped Kucherov on a breakaway and um, that kept it you know possibly respectable um at 4-1 I think it was mm -hmm. so yeah it, it, it's like Campbell hasn't been the issue yeah the biggest thing is the gap between Campbell and Vasilevsky in game two was not so much that it was decisive like I know, obviously, in the sense of it wasn't goals, but, like, I thought that Campbell was playing well enough that he kept the Leafs in shouting distance, and mm -hmm. it was other problems that really determined it. He's not ruling you out of winning games right now against a very good team. That's kind of the baseline you need from him. So if if you want some positives, it's that I think the Leafs have been better 5-on-5. Five five. They've been good more than they've been bad. And the goaltending differential, which is the most glaring problem they have in this series hasn't been too vast mm -hmm. 
it's worth not getting too worked up over one game up, one game down, right? Mm-hmm. You reverse the outcome, you reverse the order of the two games. We probably sound a lot more upbeat, but we're functioning in the exact same spot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we, no one I think expected this to be a blowout series one way or the other. I, it's still possible, you know, the Leafs could rattle off three wins, the Lightning could rattle off three wins mm-hmm. and make the others look foolish, but I don't think that's really likely. I think this is going six and pro- like it has a very non-trivial chance of going seven. Yeah, like it, going into this, I figured, okay, this is about a 55-45 series for Tampa. That's about what I feel it is now, to be honest with you. You know, maybe a little bit different, but... Yeah, same ballpark. And that's not a terrible place to be. That's a very good chance. And, and if we get a bit more of the action we saw in Game 1, the Leafs can put themselves on the right side of it. Basically. Um, Alright, so I think that basically wraps up anything we, everything we wanted to talk about uh, today. Is that correct? Yeah. Great. So you can catch all of Vine and Fuleman's stuff at pensionpanpuppets.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at RV and AT Fuleman. Thanks for listening. We'll see you after uh, game three.